All right. Notice in verse 13 of Romans chapter 10, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I want you to just kind of get a mental picture here of, you know, the feet of soul winners, all right? Now, we don't often think of feet as beautiful, but at the same time, we all know what it looks like to see a couple of soul winners walking down the streets, Bibles in hands, ready to give the gospel. And when we see that, you know, that, it does my heart good. You know, when I see a bunch of people walking down the streets and I know what they're doing, you can tell what they're doing. It's a, it's a great feeling when you see that. I love when we get a big group of soul winners and we're all getting ready to go out and walk. And, you know, why is it, such a good thing. It's it's a good thing to see because you're doing a great thing. You're bringing a great message. I mean, what you're going to do, it's going to change the eternal destination of some people. So the truth is, it's a beautiful sight. For people who understand what's going on when people are soul winning, it's a beautiful sight to behold, you know, and it's kind of, you know, you can kind of compare it to, you know, the sight of that, you know, waitress as she's bringing your food, you know, when you're hungry and you're just really anxious to get that food. You know, you've been waiting. And then all of a sudden you see that tray and it's coming for your table. It's a wonderful sight, isn't it? No matter how ugly the waitress is, when she's carrying your food, she's a beautiful sight to behold. Because something good is coming. It's on its way. And when people are out, when they, when they go out with the purpose of giving the gospel, the purpose of winning souls, it's a beautiful thing. But, you know, it's a beautiful thing. For many reasons, I was having a conversation about this last week and kind of gave me the idea for this message. But when, something I don't think we think about very much is that when we're soul winning, we're actually accomplishing way more than just winning souls. There's a lot of extra things that we're doing. The title of my message tonight is Soul Winning Side Jobs. And I want to preach this message too to show you just, you know, I, want, I want to help you just kind of put into perspective what all you're accomplishing just by going out there and just trying to give the gospel. Because often, because of the fact that we are soul winning, okay, when you're soul winning, what's the goal? It's to win souls, right? What is, I mean, the main reason we're going out is to get people saved. That's the main goal. That's what we're concentrating on. But the truth is, we're actually accomplishing way more than that. There's a lot of other wonderful things that are being done just when we make that effort to go win souls, and I think if we understand these things and we put it into perspective, it will cause us to realize we are never wasting our time when we go out. Because let me tell you something. I've gone out many times, and I felt like I haven't accomplished anything. I mean, I've gone out, and I've not. I mean, I've talked to nobody. Just nobody answers the door, or if they do answer the door, they don't want to talk to you. I mean, we've all been there where we've gone out, and you spend over an hour out there and you, I mean, you don't even get to say the name Jesus hardly. We've all been there. And it's real easy when that happens to think, you know, I wasted my time today. I didn't accomplish anything, but I'm going to show you that is never the case. That is never the case because we're doing a lot more. And I think it's important that we take time to talk about these things. And, I would, and I'm going to give you several things tonight that we're accomplishing. And I, I guarantee you there's a lot more that I didn't think of. And if you think of them, I'd encourage you to write these things down. You know, people who are watching this, you know, I think it'd be good, you know, leave a, leave a comment, all right? I don't, you know, leave a comment adding these things because I think if we get this in our head, it will, it, I think it will motivate us to do it more and to be faithful doing it because we all go through dry spells. We go through times where we, we don't feel like we're accomplishing much, where, you know, the, we're not seeing a lot of people saved, but I'm going to show you we're always accomplishing something when we go out, because there's kind of side effects to what we're doing. There's many good side effects that are the result of this one work, just like there's many good side effects to other things. For example, you don't have to turn there, but Matthew 22, verse 36, uh, the question was asked, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, you and I know there's a lot more than just two laws in the Bible, aren't there? But if we have a focus of love God 
and love our neighbor, just on accident, we will fulfill all the other laws, won't we? We would keep the entire law of God if we would just do those two things. Right? Now, nobody's saying we're all going to be perfect on it, but all the, you know, nobody has to tell you not to steal when you love your neighbor. Okay? Nobody has to tell you to do these things. They just naturally occur because of the fact you've got your sight set on loving God and loving your neighbor. You're just going to do all kinds of other good things. You're going to give to other people. You're going to be generous. If you love people and you see them have a need, you're going to be generous to them. It's just, it's just going to come natural because of the fact that you love them. So if we just all had this, I mean, major focus on loving God and loving our neighbors, we would do so many other wonderful things besides those two commandments. And when we are obedient to God and we just go out with the goal of really doing one thing, like loving God, but the goal of winning souls on accident, you're going to do a bunch of other good works without even realizing you're doing those good works. Just by that one thing, and I want us to talk about these things. And uh, a while back, I preached a message on soul winning, and I was talking about how when we're witnessing, sometimes you know where uh, you know we're planting seeds, sometimes we're preparing the ground, sometimes you know we're watering, sometimes we're harvesting, and those are all good things. But all those things I preached about then, while it could be talked about in this message, we're not going to talk about those things because those all apply to soul winning too. Okay, all of that has to do with winning souls. I'm going to talk about tonight good things that we're doing, great things that we're accomplishing that really have nothing to do with winning souls. That's what I want to talk about tonight. So when we go soul winning, one thing we're doing, we are, without even trying, we are reminding every saved person that we talk to what they should be doing. That's exactly what we're doing. John 15, 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, and so shall ye be my disciple. Every time we go out and you talk to the saved person, because, you know, we often don't like like it when, you know, we, we're talking to a lot of saved people because we're, we're trying to get to the unsaved, right? And it's like, well, you know, I talked to a lot of saved people today, but I didn't really accomplish much. Or you talk to that person, too, where they, like, let you pretty much go through the whole gospel, and they're like, yeah, I'm saved. You know, and you know, you find out they're saved. It's like, you know, why'd you let me waste all that time there? But the truth is, while you might feel like you wasted time there, you know what you did? You reminded them of what they should be doing. Every Christian should be telling other people how to get saved. Every Christian, every saved person should be a disciple of Christ. And isn't it easier to do the wrong thing when everybody else is doing the wrong thing? But, you know, when you see somebody else doing the right thing, then all of a sudden that wrong thing starts to seem wrong. And you get convicted a little bit. And when we are out there going soul winning, when our, we're out there walking the streets, people know what we're doing. People can tell what we're doing. And it's a reminder to them of what they should be doing. And that's why a lot of Christians don't like it. That's why they don't like souling. That's why they try to question it. Oh, you guys are just out there, you know, trying to make proselytes. Y'all are just one, two, three, repeat after me. Why are, why are people so down on souling? Folks, even if, even if what we were doing wasn't really getting people saved, how are we hurting anybody by telling them the gospel? And we don't twist people's arms and try to make them say prayers. But how are we doing any harm by doing that? They act like we're just destroying souls. But the truth is, they are convicted because they know they should be doing it. But they haven't got the guts to do it, and we're a constant reminder to them of that. We're seeing more churches today that are just getting away from those things, and they're going along more with this social stuff that they want to do. They do all their little feel-good things to try to get them to come into the church, and then they're going to give them the gospel you know, through the preaching in the church instead of one-on-one. They're going to do these easier methods that aren't going to, that, that probably aren't going to get them persecuted. You think you're going to get persecuted by the police if you bring them into the church to honor them and just to heap praise on them and then give them the gospel. No, you know, who's going to persecute you for that? And they're always finding these little gimmicks to bring people into the church, give them the gospel then because you're not going to get persecution for that. I'll bet we can get a lot of people in here if we get, you know, said, you know what? 20 bucks. All first-time visitors, 20 bucks. We get a lot of the poor people in here, too. They're usually easier to get saved, right? Maybe we ought to try that. It might work. But 
you know, that, you know, they're always trying to, you know, I guarantee we won't get persecuted for it. You know, the town's not going to get mad at us for giving away $20 bills. But the truth is, I don't see where God told him to use gimmicks like that to trick people into coming in. I see where he told him to go out and, you know, you know, use your feet, get out there and give the gospel. And people are getting away from that. And every time we go out, we are a reminder of what people are supposed to be doing. And that's a good thing. We're accomplishing something without even realizing it. I remember when we started the church here, we were, uh, we were knocking doors. And I, I remember knocking on the door of an old lady who went to one of the Southern Baptist churches here in town. And she was just like, oh, she's like, she was looking at the flyer and everything I gave her. And she's just like, this is wonderful. She's like, our church used to do this. You know, and she's like, our church is it's just dead right now. You know, she's like, maybe we should get back to doing that, doing this type of thing. That's what she, that's what she said. I didn't tell her, your church doesn't do this. I didn't do that. She just saw what we were doing and was like, man, I wish our church did that. It was a, remi- it was a reminder, but she said her pastor doesn't think that's necessary. But, you know, she got a reminder that day because somebody knocked on our door. So we're always reminding, we're reminding every saved person that we talk to about what they should be doing. Another thing we're doing, every time you go out, every single time you go out, you're encouraging other soul winners to continue soul winning. It, let's, I mean, who, who likes going out by themselves? You know, nobody likes going out by themselves. You know, we like doing it with people. You know, we all like going in a big group rather than a small group. You know, the bigger the group, the more exciting it is. That's why we like a lot of the big soul winning marathons, a lot of conferences too that we go to where you've got sometimes, you know, 100 people or more going out soul winning at the same time. It's exciting. It's motivating. And, you know, there's a lot of people I've talked to, and this is pathetic, this is wrong, and I nicely rebuke these people for it, but they'll often talk about how, well, you know, I tried going to in our church, but I, I, I went one time, and there was only like two people that went. Well, you know, thank the Lord for the two people. But then these hardcore new IFB soul winners, you know, they all of a sudden they're not going soul because only two people go in their church. You know, be thankful for the two people. Some people can't find anybody. But because hardly anybody's doing it, they get discouraged. That's wrong. That's weak. But, you know, some people are weak. Some people have some things wrong. And, you know, it takes, you know, none of us just turn into super Christian overnight. And so every time you come out and you're doing what you're supposed to do, you're being an encouragement to everyone else who comes out too. And we all need the encouragement sometimes. We're not always all just ready to go do everything by ourselves. We need people with us. It says in Ecclesiastes 4 and 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Folks, it's always better to have somebody with you. And every time you show up, you are. You're doing that. You're encouraging somebody else. It's going to be better because of that. It's always better to be able to do things in a group. You know, I'm thankful that we aren't the only church in the United States that just teach some of the things that we teach. I'm glad we've got other churches we can fellowship with. I'm glad we are not the only state or the only church in the state fighting to get things open back up in churches. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that next week, when doors are wide open, when we're not even hiding the fact what we're doing anymore, I'm thankful and it makes me feel good and it emboldens me to know that there's probably going to be another 50 churches doing the same thing. Because, you know, I'll go to jail if I have to go to jail, but, you know, I would rather go to jail with 50 other pastors than just go by myself. You know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to lie. Now, we have, we've, we've stayed open, you know, in spite of what's been going on and what everybody else is doing. But at, at the same time, you know, I do feel better. I like having other people having my back. I like that. It, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And you say, well, these people that got your back, you know, they're not very new IFB. No, but they got my back on this one, and I got their back on this one. You know, they're doing the right thing on this one, and I'm thankful for them because two are better than one, and 50 is better than one. And, you know, I'd be happy to stand with more new IV people, they'd stand with me on this one. But, you know, sometimes you got to work with what you got. And you know what? Uh, when you ain't got a screwdriver, you got to use a butter knife sometimes. And, 
I haven't got the screwdriver on this battle, so I'm using the butter knife for the old IFB. And I'm thankful for him. I'm very thankful for him. So, uh, you know, we need to remember there is, there's strength in those numbers. There's strength in those groups. And you add to that. Every time you show up and you embolden, you embolden the one who's maybe weaker, but you also, even the, that one who's strong, okay, even somebody who's strong and committed and they're going to go soloing no matter what, they're still encouraged by the presence of others. Even if they would do it no matter what, they still want to have people stand with them and it's encouraging for them and it helps keep them motivated. So you're, in, you're encouraging others to continue soul winning. Another thing you're doing while you're out soul winning, not even realize it, you're learning doctrine from listening. You're, you're learning while you're out there. You know, the best learning, I believe, is just that kind of hands-on learning. It really is. You know, it's real easy you know, we can learn a lot from listening to preaching and teaching, but you know, I can, I can see your all faces. Sometimes y'all go off into la la land and you know, you're, you know, not everything registers and you know, sometimes maybe I don't explain things real well, but a lot of the things that are preached and the things that we try to teach from the pulpit are things that invo- maybe involving soul winning. But isn't it easier to actually, you know, do you learn more from actually going out soul winning, being a silent partner, or hearing preaching on soul winning? I learn, you know, I think people learn more from actually getting out there and doing it. It's one thing for a preacher to stand right here behind the pulpit and say, all right, this is how it works. This is what you do. This is what you say. And, you know, and you're, and while you're listening to him say that, at the same time, you're trying to imagine him in that setting. Well, if you are actually in that setting and watching it happen, you're learning a lot, aren't you? You're, you're learning a lot more and you're learning doctrine because of the fact, too, a lot of different things come up. You know, while the plan of salvation is simple and it's the same for everyone, there's a lot of different hangups that people have. Some people get hung up, you know, when it comes to work salvation or eternal security and a lot of different things, and it helps you. When you hear somebody give their objections, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you listen to that person, then go to the scriptures. There's just something about being in that situation that it helps you remember it after that. It helps you remember these things. And not only that, when you hear somebody ask that really tough question, whenever you do read that scripture later that teaches it to you, or you hear a sermon preached on that subject, hey, He's answering what that person said that I didn't have an answer for. You're now going to pay more attention because there was a time when you needed that information. If you never go sowing, think about this. Think about Christians who never witness to people. Why do they need a lot of this information in the Bible? You ever thought about that? You know, why would you need to know how to answer all these different things? I mean, you're saved. You're good. Maybe you just come to church because you like the music. You like the fellowship. You know, so whenever preaching time comes, that's just what you just kind of just daydream through, just waiting for everything to get over so you can go back to fellowship. But the truth is, if you're somebody that's actually been out there and you've been in these situations where you've needed this information, you're going to eat it up. Where somebody else in the church who doesn't go soul winning, who's never needed that information, they just, it goes right in one ear and out the other. So just the fact that you go out, that right there. I mean, you're learning while you're out there. You're, you're getting some hands-on learning. You're learning all the different holdups. Most of you all, you know, you can, you know, you had your hangups. You know, there are the things that caused you to struggle with the gospel and with salvation before you got saved. But there's a million other things that people, other people have problems with. So you knew all the answers for the things that you struggled with, but there's a lot of other things. And you find out what those are when you're out in the field and you're out talking to people, and that causes you, that gives you a reason to go to the Scriptures. Because think about this too, if you don't go soul winning, why do you need to know all this stuff? What are you going to use it for? Isn't that what you said when you are in school? Why do I need to learn this algebra? I'm never going to use it. You know, I, I, I'm never going to need this in any situation. And that's how a lot of people feel when it comes to the Bible. Why do I need to know this stuff? Well, I mean, when it comes to certain, you know, when it comes to like life application things, you know, yeah, we could all use that when it comes to living our daily life. But when it comes to a lot of doctrinal things, if you're already saved, I mean, really, why do you need to know that? 
Why do you need to know? You know that salvation is not of works. Why do you need to know how to answer all the objections? You have no objections. But if you're a soul winner, you need to know those things, don't you? You need to know what people are saying about these things. You need to know how certain scriptures are being twisted. So you'll know how to fix that whenever those things come up. You've got a reason to know these things. So that person that's out soul winning, they're learning all the time. They're learning from the person they're listening to. I don't care how much smarter you think you are than the person you're soul winning with. They know something that you don't know. And you'll learn something just by listening to them, just by being a silent partner. So you're, you're learning these things. You're also being challenged to study doctrines that you may not know well. It, it says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're learning from listening. We're learning from hearing. But we're also being challenged by these things, by the questions that we get. And in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Okay? Now, when we're out soul winning, there's a lot of times where you're going to be asked questions, you're going to have curveballs thrown at you that you weren't ready for. You know, And you know what always happens when that happens to me? I, like, go to the Scriptures later. I'm like, look at my Bible, like, how do I answer this? And you know what ends up happening? I end up learning something new that I didn't know before. And then I'm ready. All right, if I ever get hit with this one again, I'm going to be ready for it. You now have more ammo. You now are going to be a better soldier. You, now, you have more Bible knowledge because you're, you're now more ready to give an answer when asked. And you know these things too, soul winning often inspires sermons. Okay, A lot of sermons I've preached have been inspired by soul winning. You know, Brother Hugo, I believe the message you did last week, you know, it was, it was based off something that he thought of after talking to somebody. When you're out talking to people all the time and they're all having the same hangups, you're like, you know, people need to know the truth on this. And it makes me want to preach sermons on that subject. Because, man, a lot of people have the same hangup. You know, I've got, I've got to learn how to, you know, teach this and how to get this message across to them. And, it, and you know what it does? It motivates me to study because there's something I need to know in here. But if you're not doing anything with the Bible, if we're not sowing, there's a lot of stuff in here we're going to think that we don't really need. It's just going to seem boring to us. How many of you before, this might be a kind of a bad illustration to compare to the Scriptures, but, you know, let's just think carnally, all right? Some of y'all are carnal, and you struggle sometimes reading the Bible and with, with the right attitude. But, you know, how many of you before have ever, like, went and found, like, a set of, like, instructions on putting together, you know, a cabinet or something. All right, Tommy just put a, a bed together in our house yesterday for the baby. And, you know, he had to use some, he had to follow some instructions. Okay, now the bed's put together. But, you know, how many of you would like to borrow those instructions just for some good reading material? Okay? Now, you don't want to read that, okay? That's boring. Because you have no intention of putting a crib together. And that crib... In particular, you have no intention of doing that. Well, think about it this way. If you have no intention of telling other people how to get saved and, you know, correcting people's doctrine, why would you want to read a lot of stuff in the Bible if you're already saved? You know, there, there's really no reason for it. But, you know, when you have a desire to put that bed together and to put that crib together and to do it right, you're going over every little detail. You're step by step following every, even though it's boring. But it's not boring when you're putting something together, though, is it? And you know what? When you're actually out being a soul winner and you're out there trying to change the minds and hearts of people, the Bible's not boring for you. Because you know, hey, if I get this information figured out, I'm going to accomplish something with it. I'm actually going to do something with it. But if you're not a soul winner, you're not going to really need a lot of stuff in the Scriptures. And so it's going to be boring. The preaching's going to be boring to you. Ah, oh, he's on this subject. I don't need this. You know, I wanted another sermon where he throws somebody into hell. You know, I, I just I just came today to see who's going to get reprobated. You know, I, I don't need this stuff. Now, I don't I don't need this information. Yes, you do. If you're if you're a soul winner, if you're actually accomplishing something, and soul winning is going to challenge you. You're going to get challenged. We go out there all the time, and and people do they they bring up weird questions, and it makes me want to go back and study my Bible. And so even if 
Even if I go and I get completely stumped by somebody, and you're going to get stumped sometimes, you know what? It's still good. You still accomplish something because you now have gained a motivation to go and study something in the scriptures that's going to help you later on with somebody else. So again, you're never, you're never doing, your labor is never in vain when you're soul winning. You're always accomplishing something. Another thing you're accomplishing every time you go soul winning, and this is a great thing, you're regularly taking a dose of humility. It's, it's a humbling thing often. Soul winning, it says in Acts 5.40, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Okay, that beating that they took, I'm sure was painful, but it was also embarrassing. And you know, one of the things that would be, that's difficult about, you know, go, you know, we don't beat people in this, uh, state or in this country that much, but, uh, at the same time, is it not humiliating going to jail? Okay. If I, you know, if we have a bunch of police pull up in here next week and handcuff me and haul me off to the pokey, I, you know, there's, there's some shame in that, isn't there? Okay. There's some shame in that type of thing. And, you know, obviously we haven't dealt with anything like that outsoling, but is it not humbling to get the door slammed in your face? Is it not humbling when you do get chewed out? You know, when you do have somebody yell at you, maybe get belligerent. It doesn't happen that much, but it does happen sometimes. If you go out soul winning, you're going to get treated bad sometimes. You're going to have that person, too, who, you know, and then, you know, so this is the worst we get. I feel bad even bringing this up after reading this passage. But it is, these things are humbling. You know, you'll have that person, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't really see the need to go around, you know, trying to, you know, change other people's beliefs. And they get all indignant with you, like there's something wrong with you. You ever had those people like that? They act like they're more spiritual than you because they don't bother other people about their religion. And, you know, when that happens, you know, my flesh wants to just lay into them. Like, let me tell you, you sorry excuse for a Christian. There's no way you're saved. You're going to split hell wide open, you know. And even if you are saved, no rewards for you on Judgment Day. I mean, you know, that I want to say all those things when that type of thing happens. But you know what you have to do? You have to take it. You know, we don't get to show up to people's houses. And here's just a little reminder. I haven't seen anybody do this. But when we show up to someone else's houses uninvited, okay, we cannot be mean to them. We cannot be jerks. Even if they deserve it, we showed up to their house uninvited. So we're going to take our, you know, verbal abuse and we're going to walk away. Okay, We showed up on their property uninvited okay now when people show up on our property uninvited and like start doing donuts in our parking lot we chase them down that's exactly what we do <laughs> and so you know understand you know hey we're you know we're ready to throw down with whoever we need to throw down with all right i'll say that right now but we don't get to do that when we show up at their house okay we are on their turf that is their kingdom and we showed up uninvited if we get chewed out, if we get a verbal lashing or whatever, we take it. And you know what that does? That humbles us. That humbles us, and we can always use a good dose of humility on a regular basis. And we're going to get that. You know, people don't, when we're out going soul winning too, people don't drive by and just thank us for what we're doing. You know, they don't, nobody's ever stopped me. Well, I've had some people, but, you know, for the most part, they don't, you know, just stop, hey, thank you for your service. Thank you for the wonderful thing you're doing. You know, they, roll, they, don't, they don't honk at us and wave and give us a thumbs up and things like that. We don't get a whole lot of that, do we? You know, we should get treated the way the nurses all get treated now. Have you ever noticed how more people are walking around in their scrubs and things now? You know, you know kind of like soldiers, they like to walk around in their uniforms because then everybody pays for their stuff at the gas station to make them feel good. You know, now they're all walking around in their scrubs and everything, you know, because they're the ones all getting praised. We should be getting that. But no, we often get ridiculed, don't we? You know what it does? It keeps us humble. And that's a good thing. We need that. We don't want to get lifted up. You know, sometimes I'm thankful for all our trolls and haters. Helps keep us humble. Sometimes I'm entertained by our trolls and haters. I'm not going to lie about that. You know, I, I, I find them enjoyable. But, you know, we need that. Sometimes they do. They make us look bad. 
And I think God just wants to keep us humble. That's a good thing. So another thing, too, every time we're out, you're out soul winning, you're showing others that they can be a witness, too. Because, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to pick on anybody here. I'll, I'll include myself in this, too. But, you know, it doesn't take exceptional skill to be a soul winner, does it? You know, there's none, none of us in here are like just these super unbelievable talented, smart, you know, great biblical knowledge, you know, just, you know, we did, we're just out there doing what we can, right? You know, and the truth is, anybody can be a soul winner. It's not as hard as people think. It, it really isn't. Anybody can be a silent partner. I mean, if you can walk, you can be a silent partner. And I've preached on that before. That is a good thing. You're, do, you're doing many of these things. If not all of them, just by being a silent partner. So you're accomplishing a great deal doing that. And so when you're, when you're out doing that, you're telling other Christians, hey, this is something that you can do. If it was only the super impressive, if it was only the pastors, if it was only the full-time staff that did soul winning, that would tell other people, you know, I can't do that type of thing until I'm this. And I'll probably never be that. You know, I'm disqualified for being a pastor or something. No, anybody can be a soul winner, and we're a constant reminder of that kind of thing. Hey, if they can do that, I can do that too. And that's a good thing to do that. Another thing you're doing whenever you go out, you're promoting your church. Okay? That's, that's a side thing. Do we not want to promote this church? There's a lot of churches in this town, a lot of people. Sometimes I get the idea, you know what, I want to go to church. And if they're going to go to church, they're going to be more likely to go to a church where someone has knocked on their door and invited them, aren't they? They're going to be more likely to go to church where maybe they've got a flyer, they've got a track, maybe hanging on their refrigerator. I've had people before that have come and visited here that, I mean, they had that, uh, they had that track for months before they finally came. I had a guy that I used to work with that I'd been working with a guy for months. One day he came to me and he was just like, hey, do you pastor a church? And I was like, I said, yeah. And he's like, so I thought so. He said, we've had a flyer on our refrigerator for months that, you know, somebody had gave, you know, knocked on the door and gave it to him. And he was like, and I was just looking at the other day and I, and your name popped out on there. And so, and they ended up visiting our church a few times, you know, so that's a good thing. Do we not want to advertise our church? We want people to know our church is out there. You're doing that. That's, that's good. That's good. There's a lot of churches too. When, again, they're just, they're dead because they're just not doing anything. There's no promotion. They're not promoting anything. They're not doing anything. They're just sitting there, and they just think they're just going to pray in the multitudes. There's a lot of Baptists like that, thinking we're just we're just going to pray in the multitudes. Hey, why don't you go souling while we're waiting for a revival? You know, oh, you know, we're you know, you know the Lord the Lord will bring the people in. Really, I, I think I thought He told us to go bring them in. You know, I thought he told us to go out on the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Hey, we're not going to get people in just by praying them in. Yeah, we're not going to get revival just by praying for it. We ought to pray for it, but we get it by being obedient and doing what we're supposed to do. So we're promoting, we're promoting our church. Another thing we're doing, John 3.19 says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And this says they don't want to come to the light unless their deeds may be manifest. Okay? Now, what are we doing when we're going out soul winning? You know what we're doing? We are shining a light on sin. When we go out there and when we are saying things, verses, teaching verses like, for the wages of sin is death, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, when often we explain examples of what sins are, you know what we're doing? We're shining a light on sin. That's a good thing. You know how much garbage is out there today that people don't even realize is garbage. You know, there's people that literally don't think it's wrong to fornicate. Nobody's ever told them. They've gone to church for years. They're shacking up and they don't even know it's a sin. Folks, that's bad. That kind of thing, it brings reproach on a people. And they don't, there's people out there that literally don't know being a homo is bad. They think it's fine. They think it's normal. Why aren't they hearing the truth about these things? Nobody's talking about sin. Nobody's naming sin. And even in churches where they do use the word sin, they don't ever get specific and say, this is an example of a sin. They'll just say, well, we're all sinners. Right. Okay, but why? What have I done? 
You know, what? why is what I've done wrong? We go to the law to show these things and to teach people that they're sinners and that they need a Savior. And when we're out there preaching the gospel, we're reminding people sin has consequences. We're reminding people that there is a wage for that sin because people don't think their sins are serious. Even if they do realize it's a bad, okay, yeah, it's a bad thing it's against God, but what's the big deal? Well, your sin's going to send you to hell unless you get saved. And even if you get saved, you do understand that your sin required the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And you're just going to go, and people, when they realize that, you know what that's going to do? It's going to make them uncomfortable in their sin. Even if you're saved, we understand that you you don't lose your salvation if you sin, but isn't it very uncomfortable thinking about the fact that Jesus died and paid for our sins and he's given us eternal security and we're going to take advantage of that? That just kind of puts a damper on it, doesn't it? And that's a good thing. So every time we're out there giving the gospel, even when people don't get saved, we are shining a light on sin. And that's a good thing. Folks, who else is going to do that? Yes, we preach these things here in this church, but who are these people out there hearing condemn sin? The government's not doing it. They're not doing it in the public schools. Where in the world? Think about this. Besides in churches, where in the world? Are people going to hear sin condemned? It's not going to happen unless we are doing it. Unless we are out there telling them that. And when we condemn sin, it helps keep people uncomfortable with those sins. When we were a more righteous nation, people used to be embarrassed by being a homo. And that's why they were in the closet. That's why they often kind of hid it. Because they were embarrassed because there was more righteousness in this nation and it made them it made them feel bad. You know, they felt like that person walking through Walmart being the only one not wearing a mask. You know? It's like the kind of embarrassment, you know, and back when it used to be rare, you know, they were kind of ashamed. But you know, as time goes on and as less people wear masks, we're going to feel a little more liberated and not worry about it, are we? Well, now as more and more people are coming out of the closet, they feel more comfortable to be open, don't they? And you know what we need to do? We need to shine a light on them cockroaches so they go hide back in the cracks and crevices of the walls in their closet. That's what we need to do. But where is that going to happen? What's being preached here, you know, it doesn't, I mean, it goes out on the internet and things like that, but not everybody's on the internet. Not everybody's going to see this. People in this town have got to hear the truth about sin, and we're doing that. We're shining a light, and so therefore we are promoting righteousness. We are making that which is sinful we're making it more uncomfortable for them. We're the only ones that are going to do that. We're the only ones that are going to get that done. And the only way we're going to get it done is by being out there talking about sin and saying what it is. And so even if people don't get saved, you know, we're still, we're still shining a light in their sin. We're still going to cause them to uh, be ashamed. And that's a good thing. It might actually suppress some sin that otherwise would have happened. It's another thing we're doing too while we're out there, even when we're talking to saved people, we're reminding other Christians that they're not alone. Because okay? we, we often do feel alone, don't we? And it is encouraging when we go out there and we talk to somebody and they're just, they're right on the money in the gospel. It's encouraging when, when we hear that kind of thing. You know, the, the, there was the people that started coming to the church here, the older couple right before the shutdown happened. You know, we went, knocked on their door, uh, and, you know, they start asking questions. They, you know, I remember, you know, he asked what Bible we use. I said a King James Bible, and he just shook my hand. You know, he, he got real excited. He was asking about the music that we do, and I was telling him we sing the old hymns. He, they, were, they were encouraged by that. He's like, you need to come in and talk to my wife. Went in and talked to him and his wife for a long time, and they were just thrilled. They were encouraged. They didn't know about our church, and they're hearing about all these things that we're doing that they believe in that's not going on. In the church that they were going to, they were encouraged by that. We reminded them, you are not alone. And that's a good thing. You know, because even if they don't, go, you know, there's people out there that don't go to our church. They're God's children and God loves them. And when we go out and we encourage those people and make their day, God's pleased with that. You know, there's elderly people out there that are saved. They're the children of the God of God. They are lonely and sometimes we get to those houses and they just want to talk and talk and talk and they're already saved and they're just wanting to talk and you know you know we're we're kind of concentrating on getting people saved 
So it's like, you know, we kind of want to move on and go talk to somebody else. But you know what? It's a good thing to go encourage the lonely like that and encourage elderly people like that. You know what? They might hold you up and you might not give it. But, you know, I think God's going to be pleased by what we're doing. And, you know, God will give you, you know, he'll, you know, he'll give you better opportunities later on. If we're out there pleasing him like that and, and, and being a blessing to his children, God's going to appreciate that. We see, I mean, we need that. You know, remember uh, Elijah, he said, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. You know, it makes you feel good to know that there's more out there. When you see other Christians, when I went to the that event in Chicago and I ran into some other Baptists over there, I saw those ladies wearing Jesus Save shirts. I was encouraged by that. They had Jesus Save shirts and skirts. I knew they were Baptists. You know, they were the, they were the first ones I talked to. Hey, I saw these other people that had a group of ladies wearing skirts, but they were you could tell they were like some kind of weird religion. You know, they were actually more conservative than the Baptists, and they were like Church of God people. I went to them second. All right, you know, I, I go to the Baptist first. You know, I, I, I could tell. And there was other people, too, that I talked to that, you know, had other, like, religious things and stuff. But, uh, you know, and I was encouraged by that. You know, but, but especially by, by Baptists. I was especially encouraged by that. I thought it was a good thing. But it, it so when we're out there, we're reminding people of that. I like to be reminded of that. You know, it's funny how in the IFB world, they're very territorial and soul and stuff, and they get mad at us for going in their territory. I would love to see another group of Baptists out knocking doors out here. That would encourage my heart. If I, if I went and, you know, one of the other Baptist churches, not far from here, he's like, man, we've already knocked all the doors in our town. We just need a new territory. You know, the people in our town are getting sick of us, so we just decided we'd come over here because they haven't seen us yet. I, you know, I would not be bothered by that. I think, you know, I think the closest fundamental Baptist church is probably Gateway in Clinton or First Baptist in Amboy. I, it would not bother me at all. I would not get mad at them, but if they catch us in their towns and, and we've been there, uh, they probably, they probably get insulted. They probably wouldn't appreciate it. I think that's weird. I, I'm encouraged when I see other people soul winning because it reminds me, we are not alone. We're on, we're on the same team when it comes to getting people saved. And so another thing we're doing too, when we're out, we're discouraging those from spreading false doctrine. They often, we have those people that are a little combative, aren't, aren't they? That, you know, you, you run into the JWs sometimes, and you run into some of these people that are hardcore in these false religions. And, you know, when we're out there and we're, you know, giving them the truth, that's going to hopefully discourage them. And I think in many cases it does, especially when we win the argument, you know, too. You know, it, we're discouraging them. And, you know, it is, you know, I've all, I remember when we first came out here, I was discouraged by how many Jehovah's Witnesses we were seeing all the time. We used to see Jehovah's Witnesses all the time. And it discouraged me. Now we hardly ever see Jehovah's Witnesses, but lately it seems like there's always somebody from our church knocking on their doors. You know what? It's turned on them. And I prophesied that, you know, eight years ago when that JW knocked on our door. I said, pretty soon everybody's going to think, when you knock on people's doors, they're going to think it's the Baptists. And he laughed. But who's laughing now? <laughs> Their church closed down. We're still going. And I, I haven't seen a sign. I think last year I remember seeing a JW one or two times. And the only time you ever see, I've, the last two times I've seen JWs in the last couple of years, they drove up to a house and just walked up and went in that one house. They're not even really going door to door. They found the one sucker out there that was dumb enough to let them in. And, and they go and they waste all their time with them. That's all I've seen. Any, any, in the last couple of years with them, where I used to see them all the time, I was constantly finding their materials on doors. I'm not seeing it. You know what? I hope we're discouraging the fire out of them. I really do, because they need it. What they're doing is wicked. So another thing we're doing too, and I, I've got several. I won't even go through all of these. But yet we are when we go out soul winning, we are preserving the right to go soul winning. We're preserving. Did you know? Many cities have tried passing ordinances stopping soul winning. But, you know, it always loses in the Supreme Court. But, you know, I wonder how many places have passed ordinances banning soul winning 
and no one noticed. Nobody noticed because nobody saw any. And that, you know, they could do that in most towns. They could pass a law banning soul winning and it wouldn't affect a thing because nobody's doing it. And folks, if we thank God, we have the right to do this. But if we're just not doing it, if nobody's doing it, it's going to be super easy for them to pass a law banning it. And then it goes on for months and years. And then all of a sudden we decide, hey, we want to get right with God, do the right thing. And they're like, man, that's been illegal for years. You know, whatever, whenever we keep this up, we are preserving that right. We, the city needs to know that if we try to pass something like this, it's going to cause a huge problem because those Baptists are out every week. They're all over the place. They're not going to take this lying down. But, you know, whenever it comes to a lot, you know, a lot of legislation like that, they always try to sneak those things in. That's what they hope. And then they hope it sticks and hope everybody just forgets about it. But the more we're doing it, the harder it's going to be for them to stop it. They need to know there's going to be a revolution on their hands. And folks, if they did ban souling in this country, I sometimes wonder if there would be a revolution. Especially since they banned church gatherings and it's taken a long time for Baptists to even realize we got a problem. So think about this. I mean, millions of people in this country go to church. And no revolution yet over them stopping churches. How many people are going soul winning in this country? Think about that. So if we had this small of a reaction from stopping church, when millions of people go to church, what do you think is going to happen if they ban soul winning? I'm a little worried about that right now. I don't think, I'm thinking nothing is going to happen. After what I've seen, but you know, I don't want that to be the case. So you know what we need to do? We need to exercise this right. We need to use it. We need to use this because we might not always have it. So every time you're out there, you're helping preserve that. You're helping it look normal. You're helping the community understand this is just the way it is. This is what people do. It shouldn't be a weird sighting for people to see soul winners out. It shouldn't be a weird thing that they've never experienced before to have someone knock on their door. And so even if you don't get anybody saved when you're out there knocking doors. All those people's doors that you knocked on, all those people that you talked to got the door slammed in your face, you reminded them that people are allowed to go soul winning. People are allowed to go door to door. You're, you're showing them that this is a normal thing. It's not a weird thing. And so you're, you're, uh, you're contributing to that just by being out there. But I'll just, I'll just read these other things to you without talking or going scriptures, but you're also, uh, you're challenging, you're challenging others to study the scriptures. Maybe other Christians you talk to that are weak. Another thing too, alright, and I know this goes against what our government teaches, but you know it's healthy to be outside and walking? It's good for you. It's good for your system. It's good for your body. It's good for your health. To be out walking. It will keep you safe. Instead of stay home, stay safe. No. Get out there. Breathe some fresh air. Get some sunlight. It's good for you. So that's just a little extra bonus right there. And I know I'm not a scientist. I know I'm not as smart as all these other people that are telling you to get vaccinated and do all these other things. But I'm just, I'm pretty sure right now that, you know, and I, 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 I flunked biology and a lot. I mean, I wasn't very good at this stuff, but I'm telling you, it's good for you to be outside and walking. And you're getting that. You know, you're, you're helping preserve the culture where people talk to each other. Are we not getting more cut off from each other as a, as a culture? Folks, that's not a good thing. That's, that's bad. That's going to make it harder for us to witness to people. That's going to be hard. We need interacting. And especially, folks, what is this, you know, this uh, social distancing that's being promoted? That's the new normal they're trying to push. That's going to make it harder. That's going to cut us off even more from each other in society. This social distancing is a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing. This is going to be devastating to our culture. This is going to have serious, do serious spiritual damage. We need to be a people that are used to just being close to each other, talking to each other, interacting with each other, shaking hands, patting people on the back, doing these things. This is a good thing. It brings us close to people, and it, make, it makes it easier for us to communicate, relate, and that's what we're trying to do when we're out there soul winning. We've all been to that house 
where you can tell that person they, they're like that, you know, crazy old hermit that looks like they haven't talked to anybody in years. They just open the door and just look at you. You know, and they just kind of take the track. Like, what are you giving me? You know, and you try to talk with them and they just don't know how to respond. Some people are like that. We're all going to be like that. If the government has their way with us, that's what they're pushing us towards. That's not good, folks. We need to preserve what we still have left of this cult, of the good things in this culture. And we're getting, we're getting away from that. So there's, there's many more things that we could, you know, we could talk about. And I'm sure there's many more things that you could think of that we are accomplishing. These are all, all these things we mentioned. We're doing that every time we go soul winning. We're, we're doing good things. We're accomplishing things. And so, you know, I just, I want to share this that just to remind you when you're just obeying that one command of going into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, you are doing many good works. You are doing many things that are good for your society, that are good for our culture, that are good for our town. We're doing these things every time we go, so even if we don't get anybody saved. When we have these days, uh, we, you know, when we have you know, 20, 30 people going out knocking doors, even if nobody gets saved, we accomplished a lot by doing that. We did many great works for the Lord, and we don't want to forget that. We don't want to make soul winning all about you know the number of salvations on the board. That's a great thing. We rejoice in that, but we don't want our we don't want our focus to be so narrow that that's all we're thinking about. Because there's going to be times when those numbers aren't really moving like we want them to. But it doesn't mean we're not doing any good things. It doesn't mean we're not accomplishing anything. It doesn't mean we're not racking up any rewards in heaven, folks. If we just give a cold cup of water to one of God's children in the name in the name of a disciple. We're not going to lose our reward. So what do we think is going to happen when we're out there and encouraging one of God's lonely children that was out there that just needed somebody to talk to? And God was able to use us to be a blessing to one of his children, not because we intended to do that, but because we were obeying him in the Great Commission, making it capable for God to use us in that way. You think God's going to take that reward away from us? Look, I don't think we have any idea. I don't think we ever will know just how much we accomplished out there knocking doors, and we're not going to know, we're not going to know until we get to heaven. But I say all this to just encourage you to just keep it up, because this is a good thing, and I like to be reminded of these things. You know, I I don't like to just waste my time and spin my wheels. You know, and it makes me feel good to know that every time I'm out there walking those streets, I'm not spinning my wheels. I'm accomplishing something for the good. And that's what I want to do. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word and the encouragement we can get from it. Lord, I thank you for uh, those here who uh, do help spread the gospel and try to bring other people to you. But Lord, I pray you'll use this message to just be a motivator to them. Help us to to remember all the things that we're accomplishing while we're out there and that it will uh, be a motivation. Lord, there's a lot of uh, bad in this world. But Lord, I pray you'll help us to be a force for good in a major way. In your name we pray. Amen.